Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. WWE star diagnosed with a blood infection, a WrestleMania 37 update, and I take you through my top five favorite TNA slash Impact No Surrender moments. I'm Jaden Becker, and this is the Daily DDT Podcast. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite platforms for your morning drive, lunch break, or whenever you need your wrestling fix. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. If you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. Yesterday was NXT UK, but before we get into that, let's get a look at our breaking news. Former WWE Universal Champion diagnosed with a blood infection, Braun Strowman, who has been off of TV recently after the Royal Rumble. As we remember before the Royal Rumble, he was off TV even more after that, but that was for a separate reason. After the Royal Rumble, he has come out on his Instagram and explained that he's been off TV due to a blood infection. He has lost 15 pounds in five days and has been taking antibiotics. We all remember what he looked like. Uh, on the go-home show to the Royal Rumble. He was an absolute unit, and hopefully he didn't lose all that musculature in those five days, but when you get sick like that, anything can happen. We all know, especially nowadays in the world that we're living in, how crazy sicknesses can be. Everyone here at Daily DDT gives our best wishes to Braun Strowman. WrestleMania 37 update. WrestleVotes on Twitter cited that their sources in the WWE are trying to build a plan to host the safest WrestleMania possible. The tweet reads, WWE had a few representatives around the Tampa Bay area for last weekend's Super Bowl. They are gathering further information on how WWE can best pull off a WrestleMania safety. Hence the delay on ticket sales, the event planning, and details need to be as precise as ever. Definitely something WrestleMania and the WWE are going to need to look at when you run an event like WrestleMania it's almost like it's outside of the average goings of the Raw and SmackDown it has to be because this is WWE Super Bowl they're going to have to continue to look at safety as much as humanly possible obviously WWE is going to want fans at WrestleMania they're going to definitely want, especially after the Super Bowl was held in the exact same place as where WrestleMania is going to be. They saw that they can do it at the NFL. Why can't the WWE do it in a, in a safe manner? And what's even better is that there's going to be more seats at WrestleMania than there is going to be at the Super Bowl, given that there's going to be obviously a quote-unquote ringside area. How close will fans be able to get to the ringside itself? There's no word as of that yet. Will there be the plexiglass like we're watching professional wrestling in a hockey rink? No word as of that yet. But definitely the WWE trying to take some steps going forward to make WrestleMania as safe as possible. Going into our next segment, our NXT UK review. This happened yesterday, yesterday afternoon for me. I am on the east coast of America, so I get to watch it at 3 p.m. on the WWE Network. It's different for everybody. I know that is the 8 p.m. for people over in England and obviously in the UK. So uh, going to get right into it. And the big match to start the night. I was a little surprised that this match uh, started the night. Uh, Isla Dawn uh, 
versus Miko Satomura. Yes, Miko Satomura making her NXT UK debut, not her WWE debut. She was in the Mae Young Classic in 2018, but she has been all over the world in uh, Japan, in WCW, Sendai Girls Pro Wrestling, Shikara. She has been all over the place for years and years and years. I believe she's been wrestling uh, since 1995 and uh, still doing a great job. Found her way over to NXT UK and NXT UK definitely held her up to that standard as to start the match looking on uh, from a close ringside area, Kaylee Ray holding on to her NXT UK Women's Championship. They had the spotlight on her while Miko Satomura's match was going on. Uh, Satomura was landing her strong strikes as always, and definitely something that's a signature trademark to her and to a lot of Japanese wrestlers at that. Hit hit Isla Dawn with the Scorpio Rising, which is a chopping heel kick to the back of the head. Definitely looked uh, brutal to see. And it's not like we haven't seen brutal stuff on NXT UK. You know, the match of the year with Walter. Uh, you know, th- th- that was as brutal as it gets, you know. Satomura picks up the victory, building a ton of legitimate legitimacy towards Miko Satomura by mentioning Sasha Banks throughout the match, saying that Sasha Banks wants a chance at Miko uh, Satomura, given the boss distinction. Satomura, they're billing as the final boss, and obviously Sasha Banks, the legit boss. Uh, and the appearance of Kaylee Ray did nothing but build up Satomura. Obviously, a great job there from NXT UK to start the show. In the next segment, Johnny Saint appears. Oh, yeah. We get to see Johnny Saint. Haven't seen him in quite some time. Not in a live sense. Uh, how they built this segment. They had both uh, Joe Coffey and Rampage Brown go into a meeting room. And uh, they both, oh, you got this email? Oh, I got these, this email, too. Johnny Saint popping up on the TV saying, uh, that they want them to, to have a match, Coffee versus Brown, and that's going to happen next week. Funny how I mentioned uh, Saint's name, I believe this Monday, on the first episode of the Daily DDD podcast, saying that uh, he hasn't been on TV for quite some time. Uh, you know, he is the general manager, but Skyla's really doing most of the work uh, dur- throughout COVID times, and you know, I mentioned his name and he returned, so maybe I should start mentioning other names and maybe they will return as well. I haven't seen John Cena in quite some time. I haven't seen Lesnar in quite some time either. I know that's outside the NXT UK realm, but hey, maybe I'll float those names out there and see what happens. We are in WrestleMania season, that's for sure. Next segment, Supernova Sessions with Noam Dar and special guest Shaw Samuels and... Th- I couldn't remember the last time Noam Dar was in the ring. I had to do a little digging, and it was in the Heritage Cup. And, you know, I want to see him back in the ring again, but I really love what he's doing with these uh, talk-down, sit-down interview sessions uh, in the middle of the show. And for me, he does the job. He does the job very, very well. Uh, Samuel's obviously very uh, erratic and... Uh, is friendly with Noam Dar. They are good friends, uh, and both believe Samuels finally made it to the big time. But they're still angered over the Ed Harvey name change in the beginning. Shash Samuels didn't want anything of that. Dar wants to make up for that by granting a match, but not a match against Noam Dar. Oh no, of course not. He wanted to make a match to go against uh, a kid, who is the current Heritage Cup holder. And Sid Skid Skyler comes out, says, oh, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. that. That's my job. But ends up putting in the call and the match is official. So next week we will see uh, Shaw Samuels and uh, A-Kid 
go at it for the Heritage Cup. So I'm excited for that match. I don't think Ikeda drops the the Heritage Cup for any reason going forward. For whatever reason, I, I don't even think the Heritage Cup should be something that should be defended. It's a tournament one cup. You, it's not like a, you're holding a belt. It's a cup. So if they, anything should have, they should make it an annual thing. A kid is the holder of it, but it's not something that you put on the line. And also find it weird how he carries it around as well. I don't know. It's a little odd to me, but maybe it's my my American perspective uh, beating away from the uh, UK per- perspective. One thing I really liked from this show is, which is coming up in the next segment, is the Trent Seven workout session. We got to see him working out. He's trying to get down to 205 to face Jordan Devlin for the cruiserweight championship. And I think this is a beautiful way to develop a story. Instead of having Trent Seven be off TV to get in shape, let's say that's something that he was really trying to dig for and something that he really wanted to do for himself, not for a storyline or anything like that. He wanted to get his body in the best physical shape possible. Instead of having him off TV, document it, document the build going forward so we watch him get down to 205 because... What did Devlin say? You gotta lose 30 pounds? That's tough. So we get to document that it, it, you're building a perfect underdog story without hiding it. You're actually promoting him losing that weight as he goes through the process. And as we see that process, Seven's gonna get nothing but more build and build coming from that. I really like what they're doing there. And the uh, the shots of him working out and him in the NXT UK Performance Center were really, really nice. A male versus Piper Nevin in the next segment. Uh, Piper Nevin was last seen losing the NXT UK number one contenders match to Ginny. And I don't think that feud is anywhere near done as Joseph Connors enters. Just stands at the top of the ramp just to taunt Piper Nevin, if you will, just to stand there and be a distraction. But he is to no avail as Piper Nevin picks up the easy victory and is focused on Connors after the match. I would like to see some more matches with Piper Nevin. And she had a great 2020, especially towards the back end. Didn't get the victory over Kaylee Ray, but it's going to be pretty tough for someone to step up and beat Kaylee Ray, given how long her reign currently is. Moving into the main event, Andrew Webster and Mark Andrews take on Primate. And not Wild Boar, he was actually taken out of this match after being attacked. So then that, that became Eddie Dennis, and I think that was actually the best decision as Eddie Dennis was able to get some comeuppance for his past few months of action. Uh, the match started off strong in the back. It didn't start off in the ring with Webster and Andrews being put through a table and thrown around backstage. It pretty much was a handicap match early on up until Andrews returned with a massive moonsault onto the three below. It was on a 20-foot moonsault, it looked like, and a really beautiful start there. Blood did come out of Andrews' mouth after the moonsault. You know, when you flip that hard, you might catch an elbow with someone trying to catch you, and that's sort of the, the bumps you have to take with professional wrestling. All four of the competitors in the match duel with chairs, and Webster attacks with the, the helmet that was brought towards ringside. Dennis and Primate both on the attack of the knee of Andrews, which was legitimately previously injured uh, a few months back, putting him on the shelf. Webster uh, returns to stop the concerto onto the knee. Obviously, it would have been a huge blow, and as they built it, a career-ending possible move. Dennis is destroyed by kendo sticks, absolutely annihilated. And I feel like kendo sticks are sort of the best way 
to show someone some comeuppance. The welts that were left on Dennis's skin were visible on camera, and they did a great job zooming in onto the back of Dennis, seeing all the red marks across his back. I thought that was absolutely beautiful. Great job there from the NXT crew uh, getting that shot. As the match came to an end, Andrews and Webster pick up the win, having that exclamation point from a double top rope maneuver. And as I said in the beginning of of the main event segment, great to have Dennis in the match because not only was he there, even if it was a street fight, yes, there's no DQ, so Webster and Andrews could have attacked him either way, but the fact that he was a competitor in the match made it rightfully so that he was dealt with the way he was and he got the punishment that was due to him for the past few months so good show from NXT UK given the name value that was at the top of the card uh, I don't want to give this a too low of a grade but I'm going to give this a B minus I think I'm happy with that not a show that blew me out the water but something that I was very happy to watch and uh, I think WWE should do a lot more one-hour shows if they could, and they got to shrink down Raw to two hours. At this point, I, if I have to sit through another three-hour Raw, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself because it gets tough. It really gets tough because pay-per-views at this point for WWE are shorter than Raw, which really gets under my skin sometimes. We're going to head to the break, but after that, stay tuned. We're going to do some On This Day in Pro Wrestling and my top five moments in No Surrender history. Stick with us right here on the Daily DDT Podcast. On This Day in Pro Wrestling history, on February 12th, 1985, Jimmy Hart made his WWF debut at a TV taping in Poughkeepsie, New York. He managed both Greg the Hammer Valentine and Jim the Anvil Neidhart, and that career with the WWF would lead to him being one of the greatest managers of all time. Funny enough, we even still see him on TV today sometimes with Hulk Hogan. Uh, a couple weeks back, we saw him with Hogan as they did uh, the backstage segment with Drew McIntyre. You know, Jimmy Hart, legend. Absolute managerial legend. He, he could write the textbook on what it means to be a professional wrestling manager with the horn and the suits and everything he did. Really a top-notch talent and one of the main reasons why WWF was so successful back in the 80s. On February 12, 2006, Christian Cage defeated Jeff Jarrett to win the NWA World Heavyweight Championship at Against All Odds. That Christian Cage is what we know as Christian in the WWE in his time before and after. Funny enough, now that he's back in the WWE, Christian is currently owed an Intercontinental Championship match against Big E. This one's floating around the internet years and years back when Big E was the Intercontinental Champion in his first original run with the WWE after he got called up from NXT. Uh, he owed Christian a Intercontinental Championship match. Obviously, with things changing in the world at the time of 2012, now things completely different in 2021. With them back together again, both in the same company, we can only imagine if they wrapped up that storyline into one long bow, it, it would be a check in the box for long-term storytelling. Uh, obviously not intentional yes, from the WWE, but it would be nice to see. I, I've heard a couple of people floated around as a WrestleMania-worthy match. Here's my argument. If it was WrestleMania was one, if it was one night this year, WrestleMania, I would say no. But given WrestleMania is a two-night event, I would say, yeah, I don't see why not. 
if it's a two-night event because you can definitely fill uh, with an Intercontinental Championship match with Christian. And I think a lot of uh, true wrestling fans would be happy with that to see Biggie give Christian that title shot. That would be something a lot of people would like to see, especially at a WrestleMania. That would be pretty huge. Moving into our next segment, and something I'm excited to do, our top five moments in No Surrender history. No Surrender coming up for Impact Plus this Saturday. And I wanted to go through the top five moments. I had to go back, do a little bit of research, see what I remember, see what I didn't. And I think I have them all here. I, I'm you got to remember, I'm doing moments here. I'm not really doing matches. There are matches that are in my top five moments because they had good moments in them as well. But uh, I don't want to snub anybody. So I did put some honorable mentions. So there's three of them here. Samoa Joe versus Chris Sabin, No Surrender 2005. That was a great match. Samoa Joe on his undefeated run, the, the Samoan submission specialist. And that, that was a good match. Kurt Angle saying that he is coming to TNA. Only reason I had that in the honorable mention is because it was a, a vignette at the back end of the show. It wasn't like he actually appeared in person in TNA, at least not yet. It wasn't at No Surrender 2006, but that's why I put in the honorable mentions. If it, if it was No Surrender and he did appear there, that would probably be be either number two or number three on my list but i have to put in the honorable mentions and the final honorable mention also has kurt angle kurt angle versus jeff hardy in the semifinal match in the tna world heavyweight championship tournament that was in no surrender 2010 that match actually ended up going into a no contest after going into a couple overtimes because they were time matches for tna at the time but that match i believe went a little bit over 35 minutes and it was a super superstar level match, especially for TNA at the time in 2010. But moving into the top five list, we're going with here at number five, the Wolves, Davey Richards, and Eddie Edwards defending the World Tag Team Championships against the Hardys, which was Jeff and Matt Hardy and Team 3D, Bully Ray and Devon in a ladder match, No Surrender 2014. Uh, I looked at a couple other lists and this is sort of in a similar spot some people have it higher some people have it lower i like it here at number five i didn't want to put this one in the honorable mentions just because there's too many good spots in this match especially for a impact slash tna tlc match to leave it out impact was finally allowed the chance to have a great marquee tlc type match and they delivered mostly because of hardy uh, the Hardys and Bully Ray and Devon, uh, David Richards and Eddie Edwards would retain the championships. Uh, and there was a nasty spot in there as well with Hardy taking a tough bump on the side of the ladder towards the back end of the match. If you haven't seen this match, it, it's up there as one of the, the better uh, impact wrestling ladder matches that had some tables, of course. You know, you got the Devons in there. You're going to get, you know, you have Bully Ray and Devon. You're going to have the, the tables coming out for sure. At number four, Taylor Wilde and Sarita become the first knockouts tag team champions. This was in No Surrender 2009. Uh, I've seen a lot of people put this high, lower on their list, meaning having it in closer to the number 10 than to the number 1. And I think this belongs in the top 5. If you think about it, TNA brought back female tag team championships 9 years before the WWE did. 
Nine years. WWE, before WWE, WWF, they had female tag team championships. They had it for six years, I believe, from 83 to 89. And they completely got rid of it and didn't think about bringing them back until 2018, where the women's revolution was such a big hit. And you you really look at the how progressive TNA was at the time bringing that female tag team championships and now even bringing them back today once again <laughs> to impact wrestling so uh good job on on TNA at the time for having those belts there i'm going to put that at number 4 just for the the progressive aspect of it at number 3 AJ Styles and Chris Daniels beat LAX to win the NWA tag team championships at no surrender 2006 Solid match, but the moment in this match that makes me put this at number three was Daniel's. It was an X, it was those uh, ultimate X matches where you had the two ropes crossing on top of the ring. If you haven't seen them and you're purely a WWE fan and haven't really exposed yourself to any of Impact Wrestling, you I would recommend going back and watching some old TNA matches of those ultimate X matches where it's it's pretty much a ladder match, but there's no ladders. You actually have to climb up a stanchion on one of the ring posts, and then I, I don't. Would you call it crawling or shimmying yourself across the rope that is stretched all the way above the ring to grab the belt in the middle? Great match, but instead of shimmying himself, Chris Daniels, he stood on top of the stanchion and then jumped to the X in the middle, landing on top of the X, not having to waste time uh, going across the rope grabbing the belts and winning it for himself and Styles, taking down LAX. Great match there and in a great moment. I put that at number three. Speaking of fantastic moments, number two, Rhino's debut at No Surrender 2005. And what an important debut it was, not only for TNA at the time, but for Rhino. He had the best, one of the best runs of his career, along with an NWA title run. If it wasn't for Impact Wrestling and for TNA at the time, you can only imagine what Rhino's career would have looked like after ECW. You can only imagine because you obviously saw how things went with Rhino in the WWE after his time with TNA. It wasn't as stellar as a lot of people could have imagined, but Rhino, in a very important run, for TNA and for himself, and it all started there at No Surrender 2005. I put that at number two and at number one, and I think this is the most obvious number one in the histories of number one, AJ Styles wins the world title and the passing of the torch moment from Sting to AJ at No Surrender 2009. We've seen this a thousand times. If you watch Impact Wrestling on Twitch, you probably see this moment twice a week during the episode because instead of showing commercials, they show greatest moments. And this moment, they show more often than not uh, at least twice an episode. So I've come accustomed to seeing this moment time and time again. And I had to put it at number one for what it did for AJ Styles. At the time, a lot of people recognized him as the top guy. And without a doubt, he definitely was and was the face of TNA. But for Sting to pass that torch over to him officially was very, very special. This was the fatal four-way match. It was uh, AJ Styles, Sting, Kurt Angle, 
and one other person that's slipping me right now, but irrelevant at this point because it, it was AJ hitting the final move to to win and Sting uh, being the one to step out of the way to let AJ make that pin. Great moment. Not only one of the top moments in No Surrender history, but one of the greatest championship wins in Impact slash TNA history, without a doubt. And that's why it's at number one. Very excited for No Surrender this year. Uh, we last saw No Surrender in 2019 from Impact. The main event there was Rich Swan versus Sammy Callahan. Solid match. And now, No Surrender, but we have some AEW flavor in there as well uh, with Private Party. So excited to see Impact Plus. I believe it's only 10 bucks a month. Uh I'm excited to watch it, and I'm going to be watching it because I'm covering it for you, the fan, here at Daily DDT. But tonight, we're going to talk about some SmackDown. Uh, Only one big piece of news coming from SmackDown tonight, and that is Seth Rollins is making his return to SmackDown. Uh, He was appeared at the Royal Rumble and hasn't appeared back on TV since the Royal Rumble. Now it's going to be appearing on SmackDown, still running with his Messiah gimmick, but always great to see Seth Rollins on TV, given that he's one of the top guys as an in-ring talent in WWE today. That's all for me. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite providers. If you like contests like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. If you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DDT Podcast.